Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the AC Wildcats podcast, the post-game show, and uh, we're going to get into a lot of stuff here. First of all, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook app. Here's the deal. Put down code word PHNX, bet on an NFL game. If either team scores, which they will, you know what? You get $100 in free plays. doesn't get much better than that, $5 down. All right, let's get into it. First of all, Hello, guys. William Brad Alice, John Schuster. I am merely Mike Luke. Very fortunate enough to be joined by two of the dons of the Arizona sports scene. Shoe, our track record continues with people who once read scores for us mm-hmm. going big yes. time. Right. One of Bigger our former one is a uh, in Phoenix market. He's also does fill-ins on every national show. That'd right. be Jody Ayler. Mm-hmm. One was Rob Lance, who's been on this show, who became program director, was the afternoon host, uh, is now doing finer work in the community as an educator. Mike Luke, hosting like 107 podcasts, mm-hmm. writing the exclusive history of the post-Tomi uh, era um, on injured reserve for the Washington football team as, as quarterback. I mean... I feel like we're doing something right. It just wasn't for our careers. No, no. That is how altruistic you and I are, Brad. It's we're just like great, we're just great people. It's it's the like Mike Holmgren coaching tree where they were all more successful than, than right. he was. But right. you know what? They all look back at Mike Holmgren and they said, you know what? Without Mike Holmgren, yeah. I'm not there. So I mean, with all those people who are saying without Brad and Shoe, where would we be? That's exactly. correct. Guys, you know what's fun about this? And I'd love to get both of you on as much because you guys are kind of synonymous with each other. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. Um, But this, you know, Brad and Shu talked about it a little bit. It's 97-45. I know these teams in Arizona's playing aren't great. But at the same time, doesn't this feel far more like the basketball that we all grew up watching? Brad, you have alphabetical. Go ahead. This not only feels like some of those classic, not even classic uh, loot teams, but was it the 14 team under Miller that just wiped the floor with with mediocre teams? And I think we're going to look back and see that this team out of the three is okay. Uh, North Dakota State traditionally is a a pretty good basketball program. Um, Are they a tournament team? No, but they're going to, you know, they'll be end up being like 16 and 12 and in the semifinals of their conference tournament. Uh, the first two teams were, were were terrible basketball teams, but 
you know, you look back at some of those loot teams, some of the classic loot teams, they did not let inferior teams hang around. They used those runs. In this case, there was that run to start the game. There was the run to end the half. Uh, and then the run kind of was trying to get the kids to bed, and I missed a lot of the highlights. But, you know, every time you look up, you know, 11-0. And then at the, suddenly at the halftime, it's a 20-something point game, even with the half-court shot. And then you look up, and it's you know, I'm doing the math, and M- Matt Muehlbach's talking about his hair, and uh, Cindy Brunson's <laughs> talking about Washington State and Jack Murphy's wife. And you're like, wait, that's 40-something. And that's just how this team's going to be when they're going good. Now, we, we wait for adversity uh, to hit, and we haven't seen that yet, and we probably won't see that until they go to Vegas. Um, but so far, so good. They've done about everything, not only you could ask of them, but hope of them uh, in looking like an upper echelon Pac-12 basketball team. Shoot. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, they're uh, Offensively, they are very impressive. Frankly, defensively, they're very impressive, too. The fact that uh, they don't – they're a lot more aggressive, I think, defensively than maybe a lot of people anticipated. They do not mind stretching the floor – and we've talked a lot over the years about utilizing defense to, to get into transition and score on the offensive end. And this team has no problem picking up half court, trapping, picking up three quarter court, trying to make things happen. They, they want to move quickly. They want to get into transition. And they have been uh, obviously very effective in doing that. All of that said, you know, I think North Dakota State could be okay. Their schedule's brutal tonight. I mean, you take a you you play last night in Vegas. You take a bus to Tucson, and a team like Arizona that wants to run and has depth anyway is going to create a lot of problems for that. But nevertheless, all of that is an aside. It was clear from the opening tip which team was superior, and there were a lot of Wildcats who played very well tonight, and most notably, the transformation of Christian Coloco in the first three games of this year has been. Very impressive up to this point. He is more than, I thought coming into this year, and Mike, you and I had talked about this a little bit on a variety of forums, how I thought Coloco was the most important player on Arizona's roster. I still go with that. But from a defensive standpoint and from a rebounding standpoint and kick out some outlet passes and reset the offense, they're utilizing him in offensive sets. And he looks relatively comfortable doing it. The offseason transformation between what we saw last year and what we've seen in the early stages with Coloco has been remarkable up to this point. Brad, he had a, a shoe. I think shoe makes a great point there. Two part. First of all, he looks way more comfortable offensively than I think anybody thought that he was going to, especially he had a move in the low post where he faked like he was going right or no, excuse me, left, right. Then comes back right with the hook. And it's like, where in the world did that come from? And then defensively, I think that this is a guy that, and again, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I don't know that we've really seen a defensive interior shot blocking presence like this since, you know, John Schuster's guy, Lauren Woods, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, and, and we talk about loot a lot with Tommy Lloyd because the, the Gonzaga system is so similar and the style of play is so similar. Um, but one thing I think you're also seeing that's reminiscent uh, of Olsen is the development of guys longer term. Miller, from day one to like day 50, we saw a great transformation. Then not a lot long term. Now, that's not true in every case. 
you know, Solomon Hill was a guy who grew slowly and a few other guys. If you're talking about a, an awesome player that Cloco reminds me of from a development standpoint, it's Jordan Hill, a guy mm. who was so raw coming in, but you could see that ability. And I saw it two years ago. We all, I think we all talked about how Coloco, oh man, if he can develop, if he stays, if, if, well, a lot of those ifs are being answered. And I don't know whether it was that full year in the weight program that he didn't get because of COVID or if Tommy Lloyd's reputation as a development coach combined with a guy like Murph, who, who even as an undergrad used to work with guys or a guy like Steve Robinson, who's worked with, you name great big men uh, at North Carolina for what, 20 years almost his transformation for whatever it is. And maybe it's just the fact that this is a free flowing offense and you don't have to think as much, whatever it is, his transformation has been staggering. Um, and he overshadows your guy, Dallin Terry, who's much improved over last year, but what Coloco has become now from last year to this year, quite remarkable. And he's, you know, really fulfilling the promise that I think we all saw, but were afraid we'd never realize because he'd either get impatient or because it would never quite develop as he got recruited over. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about it. And here's where it surprises me a little bit is we've seen guys here at the U of A with hand issues. I think back to a guy like an Ed Stokes that, you know, you look at Ed Stokes and Physically, he could do everything, except he just really couldn't catch the ball. It was always an issue to fi finish around the hoop. Caleb Tarzuski got a little better, but you generally don't see big men develop hands, develop that kind of dexterity that we've seen from Coloco there, Shu. Uh, Scott, by the way, uh, joined us live, Mike, and said very much the same thing in regards to the way that Coloco's hands have improved so significantly. Mm -hmm. And that has allowed him to be um, a, a surprisingly effective effective option on the offensive end. He doesn't look like I anticipated going in. The Coloco was going to be a defensive presence, a guy who got double figures in rebounds. And if he scored, he was going to score junk baskets, but he wasn't going to really be part of the offense. You know, Arizona would, you know, pass a lot, get some open looks. And then if they missed a shot, maybe Coloco could keep a possession alive. Uh, via an offensive rebound on the defensive end. He gets a rebound, finds an outlet, and they're running. And that's his role. But he looks a lot more comfortable in the offense, and that gives Arizona a lot of times five legitimate options on the floor at any given time. And that makes it a lot more difficult for teams to defend. Now, again, as Mike, you noted, as Brad, you noted, we've, uh, we've now seen three games against clearly inferior competition and Arizona doing so at McHale Center. So like you guys, I'm very interested to see when things don't necessarily go well on the road, how does Arizona travel? How does the offense work? How do things uh, develop in those situations? And when Arizona is perhaps challenged a little more, are they a, to what degree are they able to step up? So I think this does become a very interesting weekend uh, for Arizona basketball in the Tommy Lloyd era. You know, one thing I want to add about Coloco is let's also remember, this is a guy who hasn't been playing basketball very long. Um, you know, right. started playing in, what, eighth grade, ninth grade, moved to America, had to learn the language. Um, still scratching the surface. Unlike, you know, and I don't quite remember Ed Stokes' background, but I think he'd been playing ball his whole life. Obviously, Tarzuski had been playing a long time. So we don't know, was it that he had bad hands or was just honestly learning how to catch a basketball 
in a way that wasn't because even in his prep school, he was the fifth option. He was all offensive rebounds and putbacks. I don't know if he was at the AAU level, Mike. You'd know more than right. I would. But this is a guy who's learning to receive passes for the first time. And frankly, this team gets the ball inside. And again, inferior competition, I get it. But they feed the post really well. They do. Uh, they they, really I do. can't remember the last time Arizona was this effective at feeding the post. Of course, how many Arizona teams have had this effective of, of a front court and scoring? Maybe you go to that that Aiton, uh, you know, Yvonne uh, combo or Dusan combo. Sorry, uh, but yeah, Arizona hasn't had two scoring posts that haven't been raw athletes uh, like these two. But uh, they get him and Tabellus the ball really well, and to their credit, both guys catch it really well. All right, I'll tell you this. If you're not on DraftKings Sportsbook app, you should be on DraftKings Sportsbook app. Here's why. You throw down $5 on an NFL game for a new if you're a new customer, and guess what? You get $100 in free plays if an NFL team scores in the game you bet. Guess what? That's going to actually happen. The other reason you want to hop on here right now, fellas, is this is a new era of Arizona basketball where I think you're going to start looking at the over in games a lot here, fellas. I think this is a team that we talked about that – there's nothing fluky about it, and I thought Matt Muehlbach made a good point, and let's be honest, when doesn't Matt Muehlbach make a good point? When he said, when you run, and he said this obviously as a Lute Olsen disciple, you've got, it's got to be consistent. It can't just be something where you say, okay, let's try to run here for a couple minutes, and then just because kids aren't wired like that. This is a team that's going to get up and down the court. So again, Take the take the over. This is Arizona only. Twenty one and up. Gambling problem. One eight hundred. Next step. New customers only. Minimum five dollar deposit. One dollar wager required. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. All right, Shoe. First of all, I think my read was actually a natural segue right there into this team getting up and down on the court and Matt Muehlbox point. Uh, Mike and Brad, are you aware of what the line was uh, for this game tonight? I know the halftime over hit because apparently if you watch the, rewatch the video of that shot, you'll see people behind the benches right. celebrating uh, a little too excitedly. But I don't know what the over was for the, the um, entire game. Don't even worry about the over and under for a moment. Worry about the line. Right. The spread. Oh, the line. Okay. Yeah, was it? Arizona it was like last 18. night. Arizona last night was 15 and a half. That line ballooned to 17 and 18 before the game. 17 and 18 before mm -hmm. the game, and it was still a steal. What did Arizona win by? 40-something tonight? And it uh, was right. always going right. to be 40-something for the last, you know, 10 minutes of the game. The point here is that if you're looking at something right now, the way that Arizona scores, frankly, the way that Arizona has defended up to this point, you may want to take a serious look at uh, what their spreads are uh, and maybe uh, see what DraftKings can do for you in that regard because they have dominated the competition so far. Yeah, guys, I think Nick Howard makes a great point. He says, everyone wants to talk about our offense, and but the real story the first few games has been our defense. And to me, that's a little bit of a two-part part and that this team is totally cool with extending pressure when they need to. But in the past, like under a Miller team, if Arizona got a stop, they weren't going anywhere because they were bringing the ball up the court. In all fairness, the defense wasn't designed to get it. When Arizona gets a stop here, they're turning that into offense very quickly there, William. Yeah, and, and if you look at not only are they turning into offense, but you know Miller's whole thing was he didn't want to gamble. 
he did not want to extend the defense, miss the steal, or go for the block, miss the block, give up the easy bucket. How many easy buckets have this team given up? Not right. many. So not only are they able to turn those big plays, the steals, the blocks, uh, the long rebounds into offense, they're not giving up easy buckets. I mean, tonight, North Dakota State shot 26%. I know the other night it wasn't much better. Um, so not only are they gambling, and I don't know if it's gambling because that's the design of the defense, much like it was for Luke's uh, defense, but they're staying disciplined at the other position. So it's not like one guy gambles, one guy over-rotates to help him out, and suddenly someone's getting an easy layup. There aren't many easy buckets against Arizona. If anything, they might give up a few easy looks from the outside, but I can't remember a whole lot of guys either breaking that press or getting the easy looks down low. I know it's happened a couple times, but it's not a frequent thing, um, which, again, shows that this is a very well-coached, defense and he keeps adding new wrinkles that that three-quarter court press tonight was a you know something we haven't seen much of are you guys surprised by how seamless this has been again i get the competition isn't great but both of you i mean you guys have seen a lot of basketball a lot of arizona college basketball are you surprised by you know with the transition just how quickly this has been shoe than bread yeah i am uh, this has been very whatever simplicity that Arizona has been willing to do has worked very well. Their positioning is very good. And on the defensive end, they know what they're doing. They're utilizing length to their advantage and getting some easy buckets. And maybe that helps a little bit. The fact that they're willing to be as aggressive as they are uh, allows you to get a lot of buckets on the inside. And then it feels a lot more seamless than maybe it is. And I'm really interested. There was a, there was a point in the first half where, they had a possession or two where the offense seemed difficult and it mm. looked weird because right. the offense hasn't seemed difficult for them all year long. So when they play someone who matches them up physically and defensively, I'm wondering how well they're going to respond and how messed up things may ultimately look and then how seamless it is. But one of the things that, you know, since we play the comparison game a little bit, and uh, I think Mike, you were the one who mentioned Lauren Woods. That Arizona team had a willingness to extend defensively and as a result get out in transition because they knew Woods was back there as a defensive stopper. In that regard, this team's very similar because one of the reasons I think that they haven't given up easy buckets is because Coloco's there on the back end or sometimes because Ballo's there on the back end. And those guys are a lot bigger than I think Tommy Lloyd kind of anticipated when you're coming into a new program. It's kind of like, wait, I've got two dudes who are 7-1 who are kind of athletic. And if I can teach Coloco some basic principles uh, to not overextend, I have an opportunity for some fast breaks and to make things difficult for other teams on the interior. Yeah, I'll take that. And as a result, maybe Arizona has extended its defense a little bit further than maybe we anticipated because Lloyd knows that he has stoppers on the inside who can make things difficult. And as a result, he can take a few more chances. You know, I would also add to that and shoot. That's a great point. But that uh, Tubelis is also a guy who not skin like much like Caleb Darzuski, who wasn't a shot blocker. But when you've got a lanky seven footer or a massive seven footer like Balo and Tubelis on the floor, there's not a lot of room in the paint to operate <laughs> right. if you're right. an offensive player. Um, so I think you mix that in. And, I, yeah, I think the shot blocking is absolute. I would say, Mike, to your point with the transition, 
how many freshmen are playing meaningful minutes? Yeah, none. None. This isn't right. for college basketball, especially. I mean, Dallin Terry's only a sophomore. Um, I, you know, Balo's been in college, I think, three years. I think he's still a freshman. Uh, right. And even the guys who are younger, the sophomores, most of them are European from that European system where they played with the same team. Combine that. I know Tommy Lloyd is a rookie. He's got three head coaches on the bench. He right. got you know Robinson. He's got uh, Murph. Jason Gardner. People forget mm-hmm. Gardner's with, and Gardner can't do a whole lot on court, but that's yet another guy who's been a head coach. Then you throw in the guy uh, from the Suns who was a player development coach. Ricardo. Is it Flawfoys? I don't Foys. I don't know. Uh, Ricardo. But it's his, job is, his job is player development. So you've got all these older guys, or and again, most of them are sophomores, but they're older. The core has played together. You've got kind of a common language, I think, of the European basketball uh, that, that Ricardo does. So I think it's still a perfect storm that it's worked like it's worked. But I think if we were to dissect it, you know, with Miller teams that were not only bringing in new guys, but bringing in a lot of freshmen, he was still teaching. And that's why his teams, I think, always caught fire if they were going to catch fire in February. He finally had everything installed. Right. With right. this team... You've got, what, five, six guys who've played together. You mix in a, a couple European players. Kim Aiken is 33 years old. Justin Kyer is 28. Um, Omar Balo looks yeah. like he's about 35. But they're old, they're old for college basketball, and I think that's helped. But it's also, yeah, I think they've caught a little lightning in the bottle. And now, again, we'll see what happens when they play Wichita State. We'll see what happens when they get Michigan. They've got that brutal stretch December early, uh, you know, late December, early January. I think they're on the road for four straight games, including right now against three ranked teams. Uh, but right now, you couldn't ask for much more than a 40-point win where you went cold for five minutes and then the two blowout wins we've seen in the last two games. I mean, it's it's pretty spectacular. The great thing, too, about being here at AZ Wildcats podcast at PHNX is that um, the people here allow me to do and work with the people that I want to and the people that I really respect. And, you know, during my time in the radio, I came across a lot of those people, No, none more so than John Schuster, Brad Alice, Kevin, Anthony Gimino, um, uh, Rob Lance, Tony Gimino. Sorry about that. And um, and uh, and that's just what's cool. It's guys that I truly respect. And this is uh, this is a great forum for it. Everybody's going to be these guys are going to be on here as much as I can possibly wrangle them in. Brad's got a uh, Brad's Brad's got a real time job. Brad's got a couple kids that he's got to look after, but love to have Brad on. By the way, we're not going anywhere. I just wanted to get that read by the hey, same way. Speaking of which, for Nick, who wanted uh, if you don't yes. know people. Yes, Brad, fill them in because that went across uh, the screen. So let's fill them in. On Facebook, I do something I call Reasons I'm a Horrible, Confessions of a Horrible Father. Um, I'm up to 5,000 something. We're going to hit 6,000 soon. If you want the story, one, I am in my son's room. My son lives in the dining room. Our house is small. Uh, it's my wife and I starter house. We refied in 2008. My son got so sick of sharing a room with his sister, he moved into the dining room. Um, his PlayStation is on, on a desk. This is the bookshelf behind me with all my mini helmets. It's all that's mine in the room. Um, my daughter set up the kennel. We had a, a, an ill dog 
but more to keep her dog, which is a, a German Shepherd Husky mix, away from the, the sick dog. She has now spent the last five nights sleeping in the kennel. So my daughter is sleeping in the dog kennel. The dog is sleeping in her bed. And my son sleeps in the dining room. And any attempt to buy him a new bed to put in the dining room has been met with, uh, bro. He says bro a lot. I don't like it, but bro. Oh, bro. The, the, the couch is more comfortable. So he sleeps on a, uh, on, on a love seat in the dining room, which my computer is propped up on as I make have my makeshift studio but mike and shoes backgrounds were so cool i wanted the mini helmets behind me well so, i'm liking the brad alice background i like the way. brad yeah, alice sweet. honestly yeah i think it's pretty cool i got the mini helmets most of them are custom jobs too but uh you guys real, real quick horn you want to see what tony Jamino dropped me off yesterday of course check this out cool mike, memorabilia mike. While Mike's, yeah, he does. While Mike's uh, pulling that out, I think all of those mini helmets with my small head, I might be able to fit into all of those. You and probably maybe, could. Yeah, and maybe yeah. they're concussion protocol uh, uh, safe, and you know, I might be in really good shape. If Mike, not, I, I have a few real size helmets down here too. Oh, I Mike Rozier, Mike Rozier autographed Nebraska Heisman helmet. I can definitely fit into that, dude. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, and by the way, he brought me a Barry Bonds rookie card. With an autograph on it. Tony's a good Brad dude. Like Tony's, Tony's just burning money now that he's got the cushy government job. Oh, that's it. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Let's go. All right. Let's get to some let's get to some questions. Let's get back to <laughs> let's get back to some questions here. Okay. Now the question, and this is kind of a uh I, this is an interesting uh, point that a couple people are making right here. Now the que- now the question is these games have been all up and down, right? And um now, you're going to get into a game. There's going to be half-court setting. There's going to be half-court situations here going forward. Now, like, I look at the talent on this team, and I'm not necessarily concerned about it, but I will say this. I don't exactly know when the going gets tough, who that guy is. I think there's guys that are perfectly capable of it, but I think that's a valid question that some people are throwing in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, the one thing we talked about when we did some of those preseason podcasts, and I know you and Chu have talked about it as well, is, you know, the lack of a traditional point guard. I know it's supposed to be Creesa, but it's what we thought it would be. It's kind of point guard by committee. But sometimes you're going to get one of those games where you need your point guard to run the show. And right now, if I had to guess who was going to get into the lane and be that creator, you'd almost have to hand the ball, I think, to Kyer. Um, Because he seems to be the guy with his athleticism, with his build, who can get into the lane, drive and dish. Um, You know, can that be Matherin, the guy you need to get you the bucket? Maybe, but he's he's the one who started a little slow. I know he's put up some good numbers, but he's been maybe the least impressive based upon last year. Agreed. The good news is I think you've got seven guys who can score on this basketball team. Right, right. And, and and maybe eight. I mean, when you're bringing Kyer off the bench, you're bringing Pella Larson off the bench. Um, Kim Aiken Jr. Kim Aiken Jr. That is giving you uh, that ability to, again, score, score in different ways. If you have to go small, you put Aiken at the four. Um, heck, maybe we're going to see some sets. We have to put Aiken at the five um, and play super small ball and use your length. But there's versatility there. There's a lot of options. But again, what happens when we get into one of these games where you need to drop the play? Uh, what what? How will Lloyd fare then? When you have to juggle 
uh, those personal fouls? When do you put your four foul guy back in? When do you call that timeout? Um, you know, when do you foul for three? And, and the half court set is something that's going to be very interesting because we haven't seen a ton of it. And when Arizona has gone cold, um, yeah, a lot of it's been, yeah, playing half court basketball again. Am I, am I panicked about it? Not at all. I like, cause again, I think, I think they got eight scorers on the, on this team or eight guys who are capable of going off for, you know, eight to 14 points and obviously some more, but again, we haven't seen it. What happens in crunch time? Uh, you know, Kirk Risa has, uh, not played a lot of crunch time. Uh, right. Kyer hasn't necessarily had the ball in his hand in crunch time in a big spot. I know he did it the the first school, you know, three years ago. But that's the next big step, and that's what we need to see. Um, but you know, again, when you can when you can play defense as well as I think this team is going to be able to play defense, um, you're going to be in good shape because you it's going to be hard to blow out this team. I think as well. Shoe, what do you think about Bob? What do you think about Bob's remark from a Bob, my Safeway friend, who I met uh, in person about a week and a half ago? Did you know what did Bob, yeah, I did. Uh, about uh, about the uh, about the specific score situation? I don't think well, we know. Uh, yeah. and 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 that becomes a very interesting thing to uh, find out as the season evolves a little bit. Uh, and let's use and this will come up from time to time. And I think there's a still a significant talent disparity and the comparisons are by no means perfectly parallel because we're going to find out that there are a lot more similarities than differences. But there are some differences between what Mark Few does at Gonzaga and what Tommy Lloyd is going to do at Arizona. Uh, and there are a, a variety of reasons for that. But right now, one of the differences for Gonzaga is that they have a guy who, when things bog down a little bit, they go into a half-court set, and they say, okay, just get it to Timmy. Timmy's going to do 17 different things with his remarkable footwork. He's going to get people into foul trouble. He's probably going to score a bucket. Uh, and I'm not sure at this stage, when Arizona is up against a good defense or five athletic people on the other end, how functional that's going to be ultimately in the half-court. And that's one of those things we're going to discover and we're going to find out. We may find out that it doesn't matter that Arizona can score on the half court. They're still going to score on the open floor, and that's going to be enough to get it done. Uh, and and they may have four guys on the floor at any given time who are able to get it done and score comfortably. Right now, we just don't know. I think it's an excellent question and one of the lingering elements that maybe we're going to get a better gauge on over the course of the next two or three weeks. All right, Jacob Franklin, who uh, makes everybody up here look cool. He is our intrepid producer, putting all the stuff done behind the scenes. Jacob is also an ASU alum. I like Jacob, so I'm not going to hold that against him. But Jacob says, Mike, what's it like having a team that takes care of business? Well, I say that you come root for Arizona basketball here, Jacob, because ASU basketball is just not going to be good. I'm in my mid-30s. That never really mattered. Hop on over here. You can keep the football. But you know what? That would be my suggestion as far as looking for a team that can take care of business. William I think that's Shue a good idea. And also, uh, Mike, in, in regards to that, uh, you've told us how tall Jake, uh, Jacob is. Uh, so if I stand I on Brad, if I stand on Brad's shoulders, then Jacob can look up to us just as ASU looks up to Arizona basketball. There you go. There you go. But, bar but barely, too. But barely. Yeah, well, ASU, ASU, as we know, is a football school, guys, right? Oh, I've heard that they're a sleeping giant. <laughs> They'll always be. All right, one thing that's not a sleeping giant, though, is DraftKings Sportsbook app. 
putting code word PHNX $5 down on an NFL game for new customers. And guess what? You get $100 in free plays if either team scores. You know what? I'm not great at betting. I don't know about Schuster. I don't know about William. But I think at the same time, all of us, if we were new customers, would probably be playing with 100 free dollars there. Is that fair to say, fellas? Mm-hmm. As long as the Jags are not playing the Lions in a monsoon. Uh, and even then, there's probably the, the defensive score. So, yeah, I think you're safe. I think you're safe on that one. Um, although, I, if you're going to, you might want to play the, the Chiefs-Dallas game. There could be a lot of offense in that one. I think you're guaranteed to get a score in that one. You'll probably get it in there again. DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. They won't ask you, but if they do ask you, tell us that one of the three of us sent you. Makes us look cool. All right. Now, Nick Howard wants to put up. I'm sorry, Jacob. ASU basketball looks up to GCU. (laughs) (laughs) Just figured I'd throw that. Did GCU destroy NAU's program? Although NAU won by like 60 the other night against some team I've never heard of. But NAU used to be pretty darn good. I think GCU destroyed them. Micah Micah Dross, was that his name? Well, yeah, there's a guy named Ben Howland who was there for a while, too. Oh, yeah, he was there, too. But Mike Adris had that program, and they were in the tournament like twice, but they were pretty much always top three or four in, in the big sky. And, and again, the big sky has changed. They've, you know, there's some teams that didn't used to be there, but I feel bad for NAU basketball because it used to be a pretty good product. And now, unfortunately, just not really. And I think GCU is part of that problem, man. All right, it, so it's got to be tough because ASU is now like the fourth best program in the state. Well, you know, you got Arizona Christian, you got Benedictine of Mesa, um, <laughs> You know, is Arizona International University still open down at the tech park? Todd Holdhouse's team at Pima. I know they play women's ball, but they're really good. Jacob, I just want you to know that I fully appreciate you because without Jacob, I can't get on here and uh, talk with you guys. So, Jacob, um, there you go. And like you said, you probably don't want to see you playing, although a lot of times six, seven guys. It's like with Brody Dryden. You know, Brody always tells me I can't play basketball. I bet these guys are actually dunking when they're not around. Yeah, probably. It's just an embarrassment of riches. Okay. Just, so let's like, talk about- just like the three of us right here. Doesn't get any better than that. You know, <laughs> three cast offs. So uh, look at it that way. So, all right. Sean Seeley makes a, uh, I think has a good question. And I think I have an answer to this. He said, do we have a rotation locked in yet? Oh, by the way, Sean Seeley, Saguaro grad there. Uh, Brad. Go Cougars. Yep. Go Cougs in the house. Do we have a rotation locked in yet? Still looks like an eight to nine. I think honestly, and even Luke did this when Luke would say, well, we're going to play 12 or 10 deep or whatever. And it never really happened. Sean Miller did it every single year. I think there's an eight man rotation here. I think it's pretty much set. I think you're looking at Creesa. I think you're looking at uh, Dalen Terry, Benedict Matherin, Julius Tabellis, Christian Coloco, Pella Larson, Justin Kyer, and Kim Aiken Jr. Those are the eight to me. I mean, you might fluctuate if there's an injury, but those are the eight. I think it's going to be a lot oh. like what Loot used to do. Loot used to have what I would call the eight and a half man rotation. Right. Depending on who you're playing, um, I think we will see games where Omar Balo against big front lines, and, and I haven't necessarily looked up and down the Pac-12. I don't think there are a lot of big front lines, but there'll be games he plays 15 to 17 minutes. And then the second half of the the weekend trip, 
uh, he might play four. And right. we saw that with Miller. Miller had Miller usually had seven and a half to eight man rotation. But if you remember the team, the 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 elite eight team with Derek Williams, that was an eight and a half man rotation where uh, the backup point guard was kind of the odd man out. But Luke did this all the time. And there would be also stretches where a guy didn't practice well. He dropped down to that ninth guy. So we could see, and I don't think Kim Aiken's that guy who has a bad practice, but we could see a stretch where, where maybe, yeah, Balo doesn't practice well, and he drops out and he plays. Um, but there would be other weeks where he's rebounding and, and, and just playing great, and he's going to earn some more minutes. But I think that eight is safe, and then Abalo's the guy to watch. Uh, and again, I think it's a matchup thing. You play bigger front line, Balo gets more minutes, maybe Aiken loses some minutes. You play a more athletic uh, style front line or smaller front line, then Aiken steals those minutes, Balo becomes just kind of a spelling of the bigs when, when both of them are tired at the same time. Yeah, what I like, though, about this team, guys, is that every single team, I mean, even some of oh. There really wasn't. But even with like some of Lute's really good teams, it always felt like there was a little bit kind of like roster filler or dead weight that was playing a little bit that I I use Daniel Dillon as an example. You know, like a guy out there that probably is just kind of out there. You know, it's not like he's bad, but he's just kind of out there. With this eight-man rotation, and again, I don't want to make it out like this is a Final Four team because it's not, but – there's nobody out there that I don't think can contribute in a meaningful way out there. There's no real roster filler for lack of a better term on the court there. Well, one of the things so far that's taken place is that we're also playing in an illusion. We have an Arizona team that has dictated tempo in three games and likes to run and score a lot and score on the open floor. Those are all fantastic things as fans. We like it. Hopefully as a style, it's good. It's going to attract better players right now. They have played three inferior teams, uh, and and we don't know if there's roster filler right. because it's that's easy. Fair. That's fair. It's easy to score in the open floor when you're getting steals and making layups and dunks. Uh, so when this thing grinds a little bit, and this is going to be one of the things that so far what I've really liked is that other than and 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 again we're very early in the season and I don't know how well they're going to be able to adjust when teams recognize that Arizona is somebody that you do not want to play fast. You're going to have to have a good point guard or a series of guards who can dictate tempo and limit Arizona's ability uh, to try to defend you three-quarter court. And if you and, and we'll see how good Arizona is in those situations. But until that happens, uh, I think there's a chance that we're going to see Arizona. This is one of the fastest playing Arizona teams that I've seen. Uh, I can think of maybe two or three Olsen teams that were at that caliber. Uh, the 98 team comes to mind as one that just didn't mind getting up and down the floor on a consistent basis. And Arizona scored 85 under Olsen on a fairly, on a fairly regular basis. And as this thing shakes down, Arizona's probably, this current incarnation of Arizona is probably going to be in that nature too, but they don't care and they are relentless and they don't stop. And it doesn't matter if they beat you by 15, if they beat you by 30, if they beat you by 50, if they beat you by 65. They have just played one style, and this is it. It's going to be fast. You're going to defend up. And one of the things I really like about it so far is that it's been controlled quickness. Yeah. It's been a relentless con – it's not Ernie Kent. You know, Ernie <laughs> you Kent – You made that point to me at halftime. 
Ernie Kent wanted to talk. Right Ernie Kent wanted to talk about you know what we're going to do. Where I, I think at the time that Kent was uh, you know basketball coach, most notably up at Oregon. I think the shot clock was at thirty five seconds. Not not that that necessarily matters for the point of this. Uh, and and Kent would talk about we want to get a shot up in seven seconds. That's our game plan. It's like no Arizona just wants to get the first good shot. And right. usually because they get a steal, it happens about two and a half seconds into a possession. But sometimes if it takes 15 or 20 seconds, so what? As long as it's ultimately a good shot. But there will be enough opportunities if you can play good defense and get open transition uh, chances that you're going to be able to score fairly easily and get a bunch of buckets uh, at the rim or get good looking shots in the process by virtue of the way this team likes to pass. Ernie Kent's version of this was, we want to play quick, but we're not going to bother with two passes. Arizona doesn't seem to mind passing the ball seven times if it has to in the half court. There was a stat that Olsen used to break out on a fairly consistent basis, and Mike and Brad, you may be able to help me with this because I might have the number off a little bit, where when Arizona was in a half court possession, the difference between either two passes and three per possession or three and four versus possession, I don't, again, remember the exact number, was dramatic. And so per possession in the half court, Arizona under Olsen wanted to make sure that the team passed at least three or four times, whatever that number is, in any given possession because Arizona ultimately was much more efficient on the offensive end. This team doesn't seem to have any problem passing the ball. It doesn't matter if it's 10 times or two, depending on whatever the open look happens to be or they determine that the open look happens to be. Uh, it, it seems to all work for them, and that's uh, and that's been a great thing to see so far. You know, I think Go one thing to think about is Arizona wants to play up-tempo. There's a difference between fast and up-tempo. Miller's team sometimes tried to play fast, and they thought they had to chuck up an Alonzo Trier 27-footer four seconds into the possession. You could play up-tempo and play under control. And I think you're right, Stu. I think it was three passes. might have been four. But go back, if you can, on YouTube. Watch 88. Watch 98. I think it's a one. Those teams were all up-tempo. Those teams passed, but look how quick the ball moves around. That 88 team especially. Kerr would bring it up, get to McMillan. McMillan would get to Elliott. Elliott would get to Cook back to And all that's happening in faster than the announcer can announce it. Al McCoy would have run out of breath because Al McCoy <laughs> likes to tell you each guy who touches the ball. Right. Um, that, and I, I don't want to compare this team to those teams. Or the Phoenix but, Suns. Yeah, but those Olsen teams not only passed, but a lot, not a lot, but they but they passed quickly. That ball did not stay in your hand very long. You weren't taking the pass, three dribbles, uh, set the screen. There might have been a screen, but everything was crisp, fast. Everyone knew where they were. Mike, I want to go back to your point. I think this team one through eight is pretty legit. Yeah. My big question is, how are they at one and two? Right. Uh, Tubelis is really good. Mm -hmm. Is Matherin? We think he is. Matherin's a pro, and, and I'm sorry if you hear my dogs. They're playing in the background, if that's by the way. live stream, go ahead. Uh, also, by the, by, by, by the way, I got someone who just texted me who said it was four passes, so much, okay. much appreciated out there. Yeah, but you were absolutely right. Loot had that number. Loot loved numbers because he also had the shots uh, 
points per shot was one a big number he loved. But the fact is, I think my eyeballs tell me, I think I've been doing this long enough. One through eight, Arizona's really good. There's not apologies. There's no Joe Turner. There's no Andy Lee. Andy just, Lee. Who was the ninth, eighth or ninth guy on 98, 97. Andy but Lee. Jason Lee. Jason Lee. Jason Lee. Sorry. Andy. Uh, there's an Andy on one of those teams too. But Behind Tabellus, is there a star? Is there another guy who can who can get you? And and again, Mather an can. Question. So that might be the difference between this being, I don't know, O two, right? And O two had a superstar in Jason, but O two, which again, very deep, very loaded, uh, top four seed. A lot of Lutz teams were three and four seeds. This might be a five or six. And that might be the difference, though, between this team being a, 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 a round of 32, a Sweet 16 team, and an Elite Eight Final Four team is just absolute star power. Okay, br- briefly, guys, we've got a couple minutes here. Uh, Sean's, or excuse me, Nick Howard said, uh, Mike, do you still think that this is a top 25 team? And I haven't seen anything to dissuade me from that. Again, guys, Brad Shue. I don't think this is a top five team, but this certainly looks on paper or this certainly feels when you watch them, like they've got all the components in place to be a top 25 team pretty much all season. They're a hell of a lot of fun to watch at the very least. Uh, So it feels like they're going to win a lot of games decisively, and that is probably going to keep them in the rankings for a good portion of the year. At the very least, I'm looking forward to those Oregon games. I'm Mm -hmm. looking forward to those UCLA games. Those right. are teams that aren't going to back down from a tempo standpoint, and uh, those those are going to be a lot of fun. Now, maybe Arizona gets run off the court. Who knows? By better talent, but uh, we'll find out. At the very least, it hasn't taken long for us to feel pretty damn good about what we're seeing in regards to the trajectory of Tommy Lloyd's tenure at Arizona. For sure. Brad? Mike, you and I like research, and, and I think I'm going to look at this week is I'm going to look at Arizona teams who who stockpiled the blowout wins at the beginning of the year. And my guess is we are going to see that the teams that blow out teams, you know, by 20, 30 plus are pretty good basketball teams. And again, I go back to shoe. And I think it, this was the 11 team, which or the 12 elite eight team, the, the second year under Miller. And there was a, they had blown out. They started a little rough, but then they'd blown out some teams. And the joke was, I think I threw down, all my pocket change, including a mechanical pincer, and said, I'm in. I'm buying this no, team. Right, right, right. And they ended up being pretty darn good because yeah, they were. when you can blow out bad inferior talent, but not just blow out, not beat them by 18, not pull away late, but just really curb stomp them early and often, like like some of the Olsen teams, they you tend to be pretty good. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be good enough to beat UCLA and Oregon and, and, and USC, because USC is doing that to all the teams they're playing too right now. Great right. Um, But Oregon's eh, scuffling a little bit, and we know Oregon's going to be good. UCLA, you know, again, they beat Villanova, so they're, they're the kings right now, but even right. they've had a couple rough outings. But typically, and again, I'm going to look back, I don't remember many teams that were doing similar things that were really pretty good basketball teams, barring something bad happening, an injury, um, the chemistry problems we saw a few times late in the Lute Olsen era. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think that's a number I'm going to look at this week as teams that stockpile these, again, just 
curb stomping victories. What is their average margin of victory? Isn't it 30 something right now? 40 something. It's ridiculous. And again, they're not good basketball teams. They're playing maybe North Dakota state on a neutral court with three days rest would have been pretty good. But you know, again, 24 hour bus ride from Vegas a night after going down to the wire, it wasn't their night. Right. But, to still win by 40 something over that mm-hmm. team. I, I I think this is an impressive victory guys. I'll, I'll leave on this note. Had a couple people mention this and it certainly is noticeable when you go to the game that it's at about 80% capacity. I, and I was telling my mom this earlier today. I just attribute that to people here, not being really sure about what's going on. Arizona hasn't been great of late. I would be very surprised if Mikhail isn't filled by the time conference play starts. Fellas thoughts. Go ahead, Brad. I think it's two things. One, a wait and see who is this guy. I think a little people were burned. They thought they were going to get a bigger name or at least an alum. I also think it's the product of the schedule. I mean, you know, granted, I think you could have gotten in the door tonight. There were tickets on like one of the ticket apps. And I don't know who's your sponsor, so I don't want to shout out. But you could get in the door, I think, for $4 tonight for the upper tank. Um, right. But that's because you're playing North Dakota State. And again, if you're a college hoops fan, you're like, oh, they've had some good teams. But, you know, who was it the other day? Texas Rio Grande Valley. I, I, I right. have not Everybody heard of has them. a college basketball team now. I had not heard of them until their coach died last year. I'll be really honest. And I follow <laughs> college basketball. But let's wait what happens when a team they've heard of comes in. When Pac-12 play starts or even I think they get Wyoming at home. Uh, in, in a few weeks. And that, again, Wyoming, I don't know how good they are, but that's a name at least. It's a state. You know, you right. play a state school. Um, I'll be surprised. <laughs> we got a low bar around here, fellas. <laughs> well, you know, but to the casual fan to shell out 40 or $50 for a ticket, you want someone you've heard of. And you knew NAU probably wasn't going to be a very good game because it you, traditionally isn't. Um, but yeah, let's see what happens when some name brand uh, programs come in here. And my guess is Mikhail will be rocking. And the good news is it sounds like the students are coming out already. That they I, have I, supported uh, Tommy Lloyd so far. And that's a nice thing to see. Yeah, it is. I, I don't think this is going to take long at all. The question is how long before the secret is out. And if Arizona keeps uh, truncheting teams by somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 and 50 points, uh, then folks are going to like the idea of playing an up-tempo style again and getting excited about Arizona basketball. The 80% that are in McHale now, I think all things considered, is pretty good. Uh, getting up to 95 to 100 based on the way that this team plays, I don't think is going is is in the not-too-distant future. I think things are fine at McHale. All right. The things that, thing that's also fine is PHNX, AZ Wildcats podcast. What's cool about it, I get to bring on all the people that I want. John Schuster, Brad Alice. We have uh, both have obviously open invitations to always be on. Our guy Tony Jamino is. Uh, hand, hand, I'm sorry, it's, it's so hard we to can, say that. Can we just call him Tony Bada Bing Jamino? I mean, that was his old <laughs> fantasy football team. <laughs> Tony Jamino, we got Matt Mulebach coming on tomorrow. What does Matt really know other than about everything? Matt um, has a great rooting in, taste in uh, football teams, by the way. He really oh, does. Geez. Matt, actually, oh, and I no. hope I don't get him in trouble uh, during this, Matt was actually liking some of my tweets during the game today, which made me feel very important. Wait, yeah, so, Matt, wait while he was broadcasting? My... Well, you know, while he was we... broadcasting, he was multitasking. 
when you're working with a pro like Sidney Brunson, there you go. Yeah, seriously, no. It, but honestly, it wasn't about Matt. I made this about me right now because quite was frankly, beautifully done. I was flattered. Hey, oh, by the way, I'm not going to your last mentor taught you. For sure. <laughs> very, very. That's <laughs> so true. So true. Um, mentor. Um, Nick Howard. I'm Nick Howard. I'm going to. I'm sorry, Nick Howard. I'm going to leave on this. I missed the up tempo offense shortly after KO took. You know what, Nick? You're one of my favorite people out there. You've been a great supporter. Let's keep the let's keep all KO comments positive. Oh, by well, the way, I think, I think the KO. Uh, you know, I look forward to Tommy Lloyd running that circle play, the circle play, the circle play, the circle play, that Budinger Bayless circle play about 75 times per every possession. I think that's going to be fantastic offense. And, you know, so far, Arizona offensively, I think we can all agree, has been really disappointing so far under Tommy Lloyd. And I think all of us want to go back. We long for the KO era when you ran one play, somehow managed in a 40-minute game to play your two starters for 57 minutes per game. And 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 it was and a remarkable time. At the first time out in, for the whole game. <laughs> and it was a remarkable time for Arizona basketball right. indeed. All right, everybody out there, this has been fantastic. This doesn't happen without you. The, the numbers are off the chart right now, especially appreciate all the comments. Yeah, it, it has been great to have people on board. Much thanks. We we take well if we we can't take calls, but we certainly embrace all of the listener interaction there. But uh, we'll be back with you again. I'm always bothering Brad to come on. Schuster's always on with me during the post games. William, I know you got the real job now and everything, but at the same time, love to have you on, man. I'm still working from home half most of the time here. We we we're still on COVID protocols. I don't know if I should be saying that right now, but well, uh, so there's it's, absolutely it's, it's easy to hop on during my lunch break. So yeah, just give me that invite. All right, there's no excuse then. Sean Seeley said, thanks, guys. Excellent post game." But for uh, Mr. Uh, John Schuster, who uh, obviously has been uh, at every game, William Brad Alice, who we certainly want to be here. Um, I am merely Mike Luke. Everybody, thanks for listening to the post game show on Wildcats Radio. Our, oh, gosh, that was <laughs> – oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to cut that down. That was – I've said that so many times in my life that it was like – You want to hear the craziest one? She and I met at the old – an old station. That, oh, yes. And we would work crazy. That's back when you had to have a board op 24-7. Right. So you'd in the middle of the night be like, yeah, you know, you're listening. Yeah, thank you for calling. I, I say, KTUC. Right. right. I have at times picked up the phone at home in the middle of the night, (laughs) 10 years later in my, in my early thirties married and picked up my house phone and said, thank you for calling 1400 KTUC. (laughs) Can I help you? So I understand Mike. I've I've caught myself a few times on sign offs. This was the first time where I actually got halfway through. Have you called the pregame, the postgame and the postgame, the pregame yet? Being that we're just doing post games, you know what? If I screw that one up, then Bob, you really should uh, kill me on that one. But for Bob uh, loves it, I think Bob takes a shot when you do that because I see him tweet that one out. Oh yeah, no, it's crazy. Like I said, I was very flattered that Bob uh, recognized me when I was in Safeway because uh, I had never talked to Bob. So um, again, everybody out there really appreciate you. Again, for John Schuster, William Brad Alice, I'm Mike Luke. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.